0: Alright, welcome back to another episode of Behind the DM Screen. It is June of twenty thirteen, and the Behind the DM Screen podcast is a podcast where three DMs get together and hang out and talk about their games and help each other make them better. Does that cover it? Yep. Alright. First up on the on the agenda tonight is me.
1: That's uh, rigged, man.
0: Yep, it's completely rigged, and that whoever goes last one episode gets to go first the next one. Suck on those eggs. Mm. Oh yeah! (laughs) Now you've taken up 15 seconds of my stuff. So I'm gonna start it. All right. So um, I've only played once, I think. I think since the last time uh, we met. Um, And I'm entering this weird sort of period where that's gonna happen a lot. Uh, This this month we're only gonna get to play the one time because I'm taking a family vacation and going up the East Coast. Uh, next month, we're only going to get to play once because I'm going to India for three weekends, um, and then Gen Con comes up, and I actually get to squeeze two two in that week uh, that month. So Namaste. Yes. Uh, so lots of craziness going on, but that means a little bit less gaming in, in my summer. But we continue on with through the uh, Temple of Elemental Evil. When last we chatted, um, I believe they had taken out the front doors. Does that sound accurate? Yes. Sounds right okay uh, and when they had done that they took out sort of the front gate area and then went to the north towards the the earth temple area um, got into to a couple of fights retreated um, found a place to to hole up for the night and 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 camped overnight inside the dungeon uh, and then that we started the next session which was the last last one we played last weekend and um they decided not to go back to the Earth Temple, which I kind of expected them to go to the Earth Temple. They'd started assaulting the Earth Temple. I figured they would probably finish assaulting the Earth Temple. However, because I hadn't done much in terms of converting from 3rd edition to, to next, um, and as we discussed last time, things didn't, the math didn't scale as well, um, they decided that going into the Earth Temple was apparently very, very hard. Well, because it was that time because I hadn't converted anything.
1: <laughs> this, <laughs> ah,
0: this time okay. I'm like, oh, well, clearly I, I, I've i learned my lesson and let me come up with some ways of converting things to make it a little more uh, realistic. Um, and so I was prepared for that and then they decided, no, it's, we're not ready for that yet. Well, let's go the other way. Uh, and so they headed south into the wilds um, in between temples. Hm. Mm. Uh, which is fine. Uh, it's a you know I, I had read ahead on the Earth Temple stuff, getting prepared mentally for some of that, uh, so I was ready for it. And when they did, but when they didn't go there, it's a, that's okay too because it's a published adventure, and it just means I have to read the rooms as they walk into them instead of having read them the day before. So, you know that's not a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so they they go down, they they head down through some old mines. Um, they're trying to figure out what what the dwarves used to mine here and, and all that kind of stuff. Although it's been a hundred some years, and, and there's not a lot of Stuff left to examine to figure out what they were mining. Um, they they run afoul of basilisk. That goes fine. Uh, they take on a dragon. Um, what kind? They, uh, there's a green dragon in there. And th- this is where um, I continue to say there are some possibly unintended consequences to the the flattened math of D and D. Next, um, you know how last time they fought a in Hamlet they fought, or outside of Hamlet they fought a blue dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that as stated was fourteenth level, and they were fourth. And I I did some conversions to make it you know more appropriate for their level.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said um, I probably could have left it alone at at the ten levels higher than them, and they probably still would have beaten it. Uh, yeah. So so when this time I, I basically did that, they went up against they were fifth level and went up against a fifteenth level, I think it is uh, green dragon. Mm. And I just left it alone. I think I may have reduced the damage just a little bit. But I basically left everything
2: alone and they wiped the floor with it. Ah. <laughs> so so my they didn't f- hesitate one minute to, to attack a dragon?
0: Uh, the dragon attacked them. Okay. They they sort of bumbled into its lair, um, found all of its loot, took all that loot and then left. And then, <laughs> and then of course, like two rooms later, the dragon is, can be heard down the corridor screaming or bellowing or roaring or whatever. Uh, and they find themselves at the top of this platform. Um, which was, you know, intentional. I, I waited till they were on the top of that platform before I had the dragon come out, so that they'd be stranded at the top of a forty foot platform and have to figure out how to get down at the same time as dealing with the dragon. Hmm. Ah, although you know what was really effective about, with the dragon was the draconic, draconic fright or whatever it is, right? yeah, the, the fear. Of, oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, that yeah. worked really well in terms of making the dragon
2: something to be, to be reckoned with. Hmm. So, were they smart enough to stay above the dragon's chlorine gas attack? Um, well, I mean, they
0: were – half of them were standing on top of a 40-foot platform
2: oh, okay. and, and kind
0: of stuck there. <laughs> so uh, um, so they, they all got – gas, or not all of them, but three of them got gassed
2: uh, once. Because chlorine gas is great because it's heavier than air and it sinks. So if the characters are always lower than the dragon, the gas keeps attacking them. <laughs> hmm. That's how I work it because well, it's chlorine gas. That's typically not how I work it. I usually allow it to dissipate uh, and, and become okay. less dangerous or whatever, but – so just like it, fire from a red dragon would set things on fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Sure. Uh, but anyway,
0: so they defeat the, re- the green dragon. I decided to do a little bit of uh, improv at that time because they killed the dragon and I, and I sort of uh, rolled some dice and said in, in its death throes, it actually takes the platform down with it. You know, with half the party still on top of it. Now the platform is mm-hmm. collapsing and so they, they have ah. to sort of write it down and, and, and they get hurt and they survive. But I just thought it made it, made it a little bit more interesting of an environment because, you know, it's unstable and it's old and it breaks. Makes sense, uh, and then they decided to camp there for the night um, before proceeding onward. Because the dragon fight was a, a difficult fight, um, and I decided this is when I would bring back the guys from the front gate who didn't die last time. Hmm. Uh, they they were you know he gathered up a bunch of his uh, um, I think it was Knoll troops and, and went searching for the the intruders you know and, and found them camping, uh, but they you know they dropped one fireball and took out pretty much all of them. <laughs> yeah. so, you, know, if you got a group of 10 gnolls well guess what it doesn't matter because one fireball hit, <laughs> hits every single one of them and none of them have the hit points to survive the half damage so
1: oh really yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: so yeah they wiped the floor with with them uh, um so that wasn't a threat but at least interrupted their their sleep and tried to make the point that you know it's not really safe to be sleeping in the dungeon stop doing that um <laughs> but they did and they made it through and it was all okay
2: Hmm. um now how do you, oh oh yeah, can I, I interrupt yeah, you there yeah, yeah how can I feel uh, how can I feel how do you feel about the um we talked about resting just two days ago about yes. not allowing them to reach any higher than half hit points unless they've got magic to heal themselves
0: ooh I like I, I actually like that um because one of the questions I was going to ask is how do I get them to go back to town?
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is the yeah, Merles wrote about this, right? He's been yeah. right, yeah. Or, or they've been talking about it as part of the, you know, as part of the, yep. the next iteration of right. the playtest. That's what. That's when, I love that's
0: it. That's when Randall <laughs> and I talked about it. Um, yeah, yeah right. In the new, right. In the news. So,
1: and it seems like you know you don't really need to wait for the rules to come out to be able to put some of that in play. And just yeah. like you can't, you know, you can get some rest back here, but not all of it. Yeah. Right. You get half hit points back. Right. and That seems to be a new. That's kind of a new feature to next, right? None of the previous editions. I mean, they had short rest and full rest in four E. Yeah. And pretty much everything else was like you either rested, you arrested or you didn't. Well, the yeah.
0: First and
2: second, a full rest wouldn't get you
0: completely healed, as I recall.
2: Well, it would. You had you only gained one hit point plus your Constitution bonus yeah. so,
1: a day. Yeah, but you right. could. You know, what you would figure is the clerk could sit there and heal you.
2: So right, like, exactly. And we did that a lot
0: too. Yeah. So know. what this does is it sort of does an in between, right? Right. This, this is sort of a hybrid of yeah. the old system and the new system, I think. It is, kind of.
2: It, 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 I think it works well. Yeah.
0: So I might u- use that, because well, that's one of the things I was gonna, as I was going wanted to talk about, is that I have all this stuff, uh, all these little side stories and things that I wanted to try to implement and, and start feeding in and whatever, and I can't introduce any of it because they won't leave the dungeon. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, been right. three, four oh, days in right, a row right. in, sitting in the dungeon.
1: Now, are they having fun in the dungeon? Yeah, they're having a good time. Is um, there any reason why you want them to get out of the dungeon? Why not just let them kind of do what they want to do? I I I, well
0: I I obviously or bring the
1: bring the plot to them. I
0: mean if if yeah exactly right. And that's that's sort of what I was originally thinking is that you know if they want to just keep staying in the dungeon that's fine. Um, Instead of having them meet these dwarves back in town and 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 further that sort of uh, plot thread that I've already sort of started to seed. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll just have dwarves show up in town and set set up camp. Hey, this area's already cleared out. We claim this for the dwarves, you know, and and set up a little encampment there, right? Um, So that's that's a, a consideration I had is that. I could just let them stay in the dungeon uh, and do that. But at the same time, there needs to be some threat, right? You can't just keep sleeping in the dungeon because that doesn't make – I mean, it, it, by its nature, it has to be dangerous if you're going to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so one thing that fixes that is random encounters.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I hate random encounters. <laughs> True, but you know what? Something – Yeah, if it's they different
1: getting a message. Yeah. And, and I mean, I tell you, I ran random encounters for some in, in next for some of the stuff I did, and that ended up being the, the campaign. Like right. the the stuff that would happen as part of the random encounter ended up being more interesting than the plot. So. Sure,
0: <laughs> and and there are some there are some random encounter tables. Probably speaks actually.
1: poorly for my plot.
0: Yeah, there are some actual random encounter tables for inside the dungeon for for the adventure. So I could just. You know, pull those out and see what I can convert from next to to do that. Yeah. Um, it's just always a little tricky to to pull that off. Although I did a lot of the stuff that I did last time was completely you know I, it wasn't a random encounter. But when I had those knolls and and the former you know guard of the front gate come show up, uh, that was improv. I, I had I didn't have that prepped ahead of time. I just said, hey, this would be a good time for him to show up. Let's pull out the old stats and, and throw some knolls in there with him. Um, you know, so I could. I'm feeling a little more. Adventurous in terms of improving things and making things up as I go, going sort of uh, a little more lazy DM style, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I might just try throwing random encounters at him. I do. I, I'm a little turned off by it because traveling from Hamlet to Raster, where the where the temple is, um, a. I did random encounters for that trip, and it did become a bit tedious by the end. You know, I, I just sort of got to the point where you know what the last third of the trip. Um, everything you fight is an optional, or everything you encounter is an optional fight. You know, <laughs> you can just ignore it if you want, or you know, it's it's NPCs to interact with or whatever. But it, mm. I just got it just got a little mm. tedious, you know, one random in combat after another random combat, you know. Mm. Um. So the other uh, question I had, I, I think I told you before about the newsletter that I was doing. I've got, yes, I've got an i right? got an NPC who's actually writing a newsletter about the the. Right. The, the players and, and, and all their stuff. the
1: players are actually like going after him yeah although now they're writing lies and stuff
0: now he he well he wasn't writing lies Love he, that just, idea. he just had his sort of angle on it right yeah. um, now he's he sort of turned a corner right he's actually referring to them
1: as the heroes and all that the map the map the guy writing it, paper yeah,
0: house yeah Sam Nell is his name really? um, and and, and he, so but that raises another question for me is that if they never leave the dungeon
1: mm-hmm.
0: how does he know what they're doing
1: <laughs> Ooh, well, that that why why answer that? You know, well, and, I and, and I consider that too. That's to your players, and they're like, "Ooh, who is that guy?"
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe he no works company. for the NSA.
0: No, I I and I was <laughs> very I was very careful. Listen listen, everyone. Yeah, it was it was it was nice actually. The first um the first time they went into the dungeon, um you know, it was when they cleared opened up the the front gate right and did all that, but there were a couple of troglodytes they ran into. That they actually diplomatized, like they 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 bluffed them, said, "Oh, there's a big fight going on, but they're like three miles that way outside of the dungeon, and and if we don't, if we don't if we don't if you don't get out there and help out, uh, the whole thing could fall apart, right? The whole the whole temple could collapse." And they bought it, you know. So the troglodytes went out, and, and so I just sort of tied in this story of how oh the 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 reporter you know ran into these two random troglodytes and, and got their story, and so that's kind of how he knew a little bit of what, of what was going on. Um, but you know. Clearly, they're not. You know, they're getting deeper and deeper, and it doesn't make sense for things to be just randomly leaving. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, I can throw in that mystery of you know he's just going to keep reporting as if he knows what's going on, and they have to wonder why. Mm-hmm. Eventually, though, I might have to figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the, the only other thing I, that I'm sort of working on, and I and I've alluded to this earlier, is I, I want to have to get this whole dwarven story going. Um, which is largely inspired by the DM who ran this adventure with me several years back, mm. uh, in that he there's a back in in the town outside of the the temple, uh, the sort of de facto leader is a dwarven cleric of Moradin, um, and and the and the temple itself used to be an old dwarven mine, right? And, and so I have this idea that there, of creating this sort of side plot of restoring. Rared, who's the the current mayor, back to the throne of this of this dwarven place. Mm. Um and, and as much as having a conversation with a an exarch of Morden you'd think would inspire my dwarven cleric of Morden character to jump on board that. He hasn't even mm. gone in town to to meet Morden. Or to meet to meet Rared, <laughs> yeah. right? Um which is part of why I want to get him town a little bit, you know. I, I laid in, in his whole um Vision or whatever his whole conversation with this deific being, um, there was this this whole constant thread that I kept bringing up um, about um, restoring the hammer song of you know of the forge and all that kind of stuff right. But I kept using that that phrase hammer song because Rarod's last name is Hammer Song, mm-hmm. so I'm like, well that'll be great. And then it's been like three sessions and there's no way he's gonna remember that I laid all those seeds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm trying trying to figure out how do I get them. Get that storyline back in his mind to to remember, you know what it was and and why he's doing it, and that it's important. You know,
1: you talked about um, the newspapers, and you actually write them, right? They're a physical thing. Yeah. yeah. Is is there another physical thing that you can kind of give this guy that will kind of clue him into the different things that he's got? Give me, tell me what you mean. Well, like, is there is there any kind of thing? I mean, it's hard when he's buried inside of a dungeon, right? Um. But you know, is there is there any kind of physical thing that he might receive that would help clue him into some of the aspects of this? You know, the 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 the, the dwarven plot line, like a you know, and a page from an ancient book that would be inside oh. there that was tied to it or something like that.
2: Yeah, or like Gimli, or like a gravesite, or you know, the a dwarf's yeah, last but stand. At, I know or, that yeah. right, and s- something
1: where you would actually be able to hand the the player a physical thing, and the phys- mm. that physical thing has like you know the big highlights for what they should be paying attention to. Good. Yeah. What they should be paying attention to being a, a kind of a broken statement, right? They can pay attention to what the hell they want. You should be paying attention to what they pay attention to. But, you
0: know. Grave. Book. I have ideas going already. Good. All right. Well, that's good enough for me. Cool. I've talked a lot, more than I thought I would, considering I only had one session. And I'm only going to have one session for the next two episodes, too. So hopefully they're good ones. So that takes it to – well, I guess – Given what I know, let's talk about our sponsor for the episode, uh, Noble Knight Games over at noblenight.com. And Randall has our pick of the episode. Randall, what is it?
2: Yes. Over at Noble Knight Games, you can pick up reprints of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Nice premium hardcover books. Um, If you played 2nd Edition or if you've always heard about it or heard about how terrible it was, try it out. (laughs) This this is the
0: edition that uh, brought me to D&D. Yes. Yeah, as
1: as Steve winter yeah it was also it was the first edition I started with as well yeah and as Steve winter said it's the first time that
2: somebody could read the rule book and actually understand it
0: yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, they did a lot of reorganizing in the second edition they took out a lot of the um, problematic elements um, the no satanic demons yeah no more demons and devils they, yeah. they renamed them no more naked boobies yeah oh. um, Lots of uh, lots of things that were considered problematic for the game and people complained about, and they took those out. Some people liked that; some people didn't.
0: Although they uh, kept they kept some of the things too. I actually found that episode of uh, the d- the official D anD d podcast to be very interesting with Steve Winter because he talked about exactly why they kept Thaco. You know, yeah, and, and he sort of to be oh, compatible, right? right? He he sort of makes the point of look, guys. We knew it was dumb. <laughs> we, knew, yeah. we knew it was yeah, a bad right. roll. We knew, that, we
1: knew that rolling high is better than it's like, rolling low. Roll. If yeah. you
0: figured it out, we, we also knew. Like, right. like That was obvious to us, but we had a mandate. We had to make everything in 2nd Edition more or less compatible with everything in 1st Edition. Right, right.
1: Yeah. So they had to keep it. You can certainly understand that. I However, as, as
2: we've seen yeah. from edition since, you know, it causes yeah. quite a rift when you sure. make one that isn't. The best thing about 2nd Edition is the fact that they really expanded all of the worlds. Yeah. you have all yeah. kind of dark yeah. sun uh, uh uh planescape um uh let's see uh spelljammer um, um birthright I think uh, yeah I think birthright um I think um the star uh I'm sorry uh, ravenloft was uh Did They do hollow
1: world or was that first
2: I don't know because that was based on the um basic D&D stuff yeah. Well, and it's interesting because oh, the he, original D D stuff, whatever. even
0: the settings that are already existed, like say Dragonlance or the Realms,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, got a major expansion. Oh yeah, it's, you know, second edition turned those into the edition into the settings that we know today.
2: In fact, second edition people often referred to what campaign they were playing in, yeah, as yeah, as opposed to the game right. itself. You know, oh, I played they, Dark they Sun campaign, or you, we, for, big,
0: we forgot my favorite Alcadim.
2: Yeah, yeah. Alcadim was in it. Mm-hmm.
1: They they claim that that was a big reason they designed third and fourth edition the way they did was so that you wouldn't have these riffs where it was like oh I was playing this system but I you know yeah it's basically like playing a different RPG the
0: whole everything is core concept
1: yeah right yeah. Yeah. which was really kind of codified in fourth I think yeah for well awesome good or ill yep. yeah. so
0: people should check those out and we will have a link in the show notes at thetomeshow.com and if you decide to, to buy that or anything else over at Noble Knight make sure you tell them that the Tome Show sent you so they'll know that where you came from and uh, we'll continue supporting the show noble knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out of print games while also offering the newest great releases
2: including DD?
0: they got it from any edition that's right all of them
2: what if i want a board game card game minis or dice
0: noble knight has it all and at a discounted price in fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock, and you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee.
2: Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more?
0: Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade, so you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com.
2: Wow, I'll go today.
0: And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. And now we go
1: to uh, Mike. Yeah. Take it Um, away. I don't know what I'm going to talk about.
0: All right, cool. Moving Um,
1: on. So I've been running Pathfinder. I've been running in the Pathfinder default game world of the Inner Sea. Uh, (laughs) I've been running in a city called Magnamar, which is a... Uh, Merchant – a very big merchant city that is built on top of a 10,000-year-old ancient ruin uh, that's kind of infested by these uh, very nasty – the the remnants of these very nasty guys known as the Rune Lords. It's all part of a a couple of different campaign paths that they have. Is there a volcano? no there uh there isn't to the north uh, and the pcs have yet to discover this Ooh. uh to the far north there is an a hollow mountain that's got a multi-level mega dungeon in it
0: i just sort of feel like uh, some, uh, something considering sending them a city called magnamar should
1: be connected to yes know, a volcano. no there's Magnar actually no volcanoes or anything like that right, there's no. lots of sewers filled with giant leeches as as the party has found multiple times <laughs>
2: So this is the Rise of the Rune Lords campaign settings. Uh,
1: I'm, so I'm stealing a lot of different things. The three okay. kind of primary books that I'm using, uh, there's a Magnamar source book, like a city source book. And I use that a lot. I'm using the Rise of the Rune Lords book, but I'm only stealing bits and pieces of it. And I'm stealing another one from a, a, a book called The Shattered Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's two different campaign series that both touch on Magnamar. And I'm just kind of grabbing NPCs and grabbing some general storylines, but then I'm kind of running my own direction. Um, the party has had multiple quest lines. They were, you know, some of the PCs were meant to go find their, like uh, my, my wife's PC had to go find her mentor and priest. A, 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 you know, she's a she was an oracle, and her her religious leader had been kidnapped, and she got had to go find them. Uh, they wanted to recover this ancient artifact known as the Gollum Heart, which is actually one of the seven. Uh, one of the seven amulets of the rune Lords, there are seven there are seven rune lords each are kind of based on a, a sin and uh, the one that they were going after is for the uh, the one of wrath. Um, so a number oh and then the other big storyline which I am kind of taking from the shadow, from the uh, rise of the rune Lords path is that uh, people are getting murdered in the city in brutal and ritualistic ways and uh, the party is off to find out. Uh, who is conducting these murders and bring them to justice. Um, I'm kind of following the a, a general rule of three with this whole thing, that there's always, you know, there's three of everything. So there's three villains, there are three plot lines, there are three major NPCs, um, you know, and that way, and anytime like, one gets solved, then another one kind of fills in. So there's always kind of, you know, three different things going on. Uh, Ed Greenwood wrote about this guy idea and something about, like, how many... You know, there should always be one more cult than your than your players are capable of discovering. Right. You know that. The, you know, and I and I kind of like this idea because it really builds these sort of large, rich worlds. So, like, yeah. one of the ideas I have is that like every dungeon is a mega dungeon. You know, sure. There's never a bottom to any dungeon you go into. You could be in the, you know, you go to the bar and the bartender says, "Hey, you're, you know, you could help me out. I got rats in the basement." Well, you kill the rats, but you find a a, a stone pulls out of the way and there's a set of caverns underneath. You know, and there's always something below, right? There's always something more.
0: And he actually, and, uh, I think uh, I heard that that similar story from Ed Greenwood, and it was the explanation as to why there's so many gods in the realms. Because he wanted more cult, <laughs> one more guy. Yeah, really. It's always it's
1: always, always another cult. Yep. and that's actually a, um, you know, it's kind of a it can be a bit of a controversial idea because your PCs can feel like you know no matter what the world announced. just keeps growing, right? But you know, on the other hand, it's like well, the real world's sort of like that. So, sure. you know, so it's an idea I'm playing with, and I don't know if I'll like it or not, or if it's better to kind of put the put the you know the boards back around the sandbox so that you know they feel like okay, well, I actually. We killed the three villains and we're done. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God there's no more villains. Um, anyway, so my, my my group has been having fun. Pathfinder, Pathfinder's rule system is, is weighing on me. It's certainly weighing on uh, Michelle. Um, most of the other people, there's a couple of them that kind of roll their eyes with some of the kind of rule-heavy nature. And then there's a couple people that are totally into it. They, they don't mind that it's rule-heavy and they're happy to kind of dig into it. Mm-hmm. And to me, it always feels like for any situation, it's not like there's a rule for it. There are three rules for it, right? And every everything that you're trying to figure out, there's always this, like, stack of rules. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, well, I'm, you know, I want to fire a bow into combat. Okay, well, that's one rule, right? You know, like, I, I, I would roll my attack roll and I would hit the guy. Okay, mm-hmm. but they're in melee, so it's minus four, okay? <laughs> and the, they also do a lot of minus fours, which are pretty heavy penalties, um so it's minus four.
2: Okay? That's a twenty percent penalty.
1: Yeah. Well right. It's a twenty percent missed chance, right? Or or depend you know, I guess yeah, yeah. that's a hundred right, as long as you're not over the top or at the bottom. Right. Um and then uh uh yeah, and psychologically it just seems like people would be willing to accept a minus two, but a minus four they want to go way out of their way to not have it. Um so then, you, okay, so you have that rule. So now you got two, except that if I get point-blank shot and precise shot as feats, then I don't have to have that rule. But that means I have to have two feats. So it's like there's one rule, a second rule, and then two feats that defeat the rule. And you're like, my god, you know, do, why not just not have that? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, how about no one has to worry about, you know, stacking feats, and we don't have that penalty, and then everyone's happy, and we just roll an attack roll like normal. Mm-hmm. But and and that's kind of the way Next goes. I mean, 4e like it's it's funny because you know Pathfinder is this kind of fork of 3.5, mm-hmm. and I certainly can like see the areas like oh that's why they did it the other way in 4e, mm-hmm. right? Like I forgot like it's been long enough playing 3.5 that I kind of forgot some of the niceties. Now of course 4e stacked on its whole set of of new things. Right. Um. So you know neither of them are perfect. And and frankly like when I squint I don't notice like you know following like you know dungeon bastards ideas look i'm rolling a d20 you know people are laughing we have minias on the table it's d, right like it really doesn't matter um but when i get into the, in, the little intricate things it's certainly kind of weighing weighing on us
0: um, have, you, have you tried pouring pickle juice down your shirt
1: no i should does that help that's, that a, that's
0: what the dungeon bastard recommended when he was on the show
1: oh yeah i'll have to buy some pickles i don't really (laughs) have
0: and make sure you always have a ball peen hammer at the table
1: yes right well okay so that that you know (laughs) i'm not sure i go to that extremes but there is a point (laughs) this, which is like i don't have to do any of this right like i a lot of times rules will come up or whatever and i'll i'll follow the rules because what's this for do you have secret notes my wife just handed me secret notes
0: no well that's fine
1: but your secret Um, notes are taking your time that's fine um, <laughs> you know I could hand wave all this stuff like you know one thing is like DCs okay so there's a rule about like how many inches I think I've already talked about this right how many inches a plank is when you're going to walk across so depending on how many inches it is the DC well you, you, look 10, 15, 20 works fine like it's 10 if it's easy it's 15 if it's medium and it's 20 if it's hard right. and and I could just do that and never look at another chart but I because the, the book is there because it's got all the rules it's got I kind of want to do it that way you know so I could easily make decisions, but a lot of times it's like, well, I really don't know what the rules. So if somebody sets a bunch of zombies on fire with oil, which happened in the game, well, how much damage does that actually do? Well, I could just say it's a D6, right? You know, it's oil. But I kind of don't know if it's a D4 or a D6, and somebody ought to look that up just so the next time somebody lights a bunch of zombies on oil, I actually know what the right amount is. Right. But they're just making it up when they made up the game, so there's no reason I can't do. You know, like I've, I've done some design work. I can figure out some balance.
2: Um, anyway, oh, yeah, so yeah, we hand-waved a lot in 3.5. We would just... Yeah, well, and there's up. no
1: reason not to, except the fact, like, I feel like I don't know Pathfinder well enough to really... No. It yet. Although,
0: in fairness, we did the same thing in 2nd Edition, a ton. Anytime it was a, is a, this rule doesn't make sense or we don't yeah. understand yeah. it, we just made something up. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's a, a long-standing trope of, of yeah. D&D that, that I think 4th Edition actually got away from because the rules, ironically, were way more clear and easy to understand and that almost became a detriment to the to the addition right?
1: right right yeah and 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 certainly we have discussions that that uh go on way longer than they should, because I'm kind of like, well, I would like to know the rule rather than just let's move on like I could easily just say let's move on but i, I i'd rather I'd rather learn it, right like I want to know the system okay. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's part of why we,
1: why we branch yeah. away from
0: our normal stuff and go try new things. Exactly, right. right. But I'm
1: going to be pretty happy when d Next is published. <laughs> <laughs> a little, in my opinion, flows a little bit more often with the story. You know, I definitely want something that flows with the story. Um, but I mean, it's funny to me because it's like they, they ran into a dude and they had a big conversation. And, and like one of the players is like, do you realize we spent a half hour talking to one dude in the first room of this giant dungeon? Right, and I'm like, you know, hey, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can spend the whole session talking. About that. <laughs> like, you know, it's fine. I'm having fun. You guys are, but he's like, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna kill this dude just so we can move on. So, so it's funny, and I would certainly rather have a half hour of them kind of like negotiating with a uh, NPC mm-hmm. than, um, uh, you know, arguing about whether or not you know whatever. I mean, I'll I'll bring up the next point: arguing about whether or not uh, paralysis uh, allows for a coup de gras you know, and hold with hold person, mm-hmm. you know, does that, does that old trick still work? Um, and spoiler, it does, right? Like, yeah. Oh man. And I'm like, I can't believe it. Of all the things he didn't fix the whole person coup de gras problem, which is what they did, right? They, they were going through, there was a, a boss who's, uh, I think she was a boss in the first adventure of the, uh, rise of the Rune Lords, named Nualia, who's this pretty cool, you know, half demon-y kind of person who gives birth to demons, and she's like a powerful fighter on her own, and she was really cool. And I had her as like a villain, and I kind of knew like, look, you know, much like I figured out with Fourie, if you put a villain on the table, they're going to get ganked, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and she did. They they cast Hold Person and Coup de Grater, and you know, and and they were like, are you, you know, and I had like people like looking at me like, are you going to be mad? Are you going to flip the table over? And and I'm like, no, you know, that's fine. That's what you did. Like I expected it. You know, I mean, I didn't expect it that quick, but sure. You know such is the way the rules, and I'm willing to have you kill Newalia and it was literally one hit, you know, Clara cast a whole person on her, and did she uh, not
2: failed did she fail to save she failed to save, yeah, oh, okay,
1: you know, a whole person failed to save uh, right next turn, the barbarian walked over and, and raged in coup de on her, and then you know and then getting back to the rule stacking thing, right, so they are like, well, so and they're like, well, coup de gras isn't necessarily like a true death, and I'm like, okay, what is it well. So it's an automatic hit, automatic crit, which we figured out after the guy had already rolled in his attack roll, right? Automatic hit, automatic crit, and then you take the damage, and the damage becomes 10 plus the damage is the DC will save, the per- or fortitude save, the person must make to not right. die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's DC 53. Why not, Why not just, how, you know, how hard is it to go mm-hmm. in a thing like a coup de grace, you automatically kill the other person. Like, do we really have to have this giant, Equation, you know, no, because, the fact, theorem.
0: because there are some rare situations where that may not be the case, right? And that I and, guess, and so they create a rule that's that's right. overly complex to,
1: right. to handle these corner cases.
2: And I've I do one thing that to... will help you here. What's that? Silactory of free action,
1: yeah. So, I was, I would, yeah, actually, I was, <laughs> I was, I was gonna look up like next time I have a villain, they should learn from New Alia's mistakes and come up with yep. a way to avoid being. You know, held all the time, but I'm hoping it's yep. not like a ten thousand gold piece item that, that ha- everyone has to have.
0: Well, and then and then all of your villains end up carrying those, which means all of your PCs now have it.
1: Yeah. Well, is there a potion? Like, I'm really hoping for a yeah, potion. Yeah. There you go. Or a so, scroll. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I mean, that's fine. Like, I, you know, I'm playing lazy. I, I, I've learned, you know, by now, never to love a villain. Um, although there are some villains that I love and, and what I'm thinking of is there might be some villains they never actually face, you know, they'll face everything that the villain does and they'll thwart the villain's plans, but Mm -hmm. they're not going to actually fight Mm them. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, one of the things I did the last session, which was last night. Um, and this is a trick I, I enjoy, uh, that kind of forces the lazy DM method. Uh, I ended on a decision tree. So I said like, you, you know, you're, you've, you've finished this major chapter of the adventure You've beaten this boss. You escape with, you know, fair loot. You go back to your headquarters, and we'll start their next session. And I have no idea where they're going to go. Like, they have two major plot lines and probably a few minor ones. And we're going to go with it. And the only problem I have with that is some people really love to do, like, exploration and investigation in the city. And other ones are like, when's my fight going to happen? Yeah, (laughs) So... it's really kind of becomes an arm wrestling contest between the players. But I know that when I've opened things up like this, it is like an hour and a half of just conversation. Are you kidding?
0: I I say, are you kidding? I think my players had a, a 20 minute conversation of, do we go North or South? Oh, yeah. Well, we have that. <laughs> right. Like, and, there, and there's, so far as they can tell, so far as they know, there is no discernible difference. <laughs> I mean, north and south yeah. makes no difference, right? It, it's, it's Schrodinger's
1: cat, you know? You, you, yeah. you, have, you have no idea. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you about right. Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's uh, door trap. So, um, you know, the la- this is a perfect, like, lazy DM thing. I, I knew what map I was going to use. I, I used one of these new Paizo. Um, uh, I think that it's called the Shattered Keep, and it's two, post- two double-sided poster maps for tw- 20 bucks. they're really really nice and uh, they're perfect for like the dungeon we're running which is one of these kind of big it's kind of like a big tower it's a a spire to a massive bridge but the spire is hollow and it has all these chambers inside so these maps work perfectly because they kind of represent about as wide as one of the spires would be and I I knew that I had certain elements to it that I kind of pre-planned I knew there was going to be like a big trap for one area and I knew that there was going to be certain monsters in other areas but generally speaking I didn't really do a lot and so one of the players is a uh, kind of a, a dungeon ranger type, right? He's like an urban ranger, mm-hmm. and he he was like the trap detector. He's got he's got you know whatever bonuses for detecting traps. So I said, yeah, there's this very large stone door with all these intricate runes on it, and he says like I I, I go up and I detect traps, and he rolls. He's like I rolled a four, and I and oh, am I already done?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. I'll be quick.
0: Yeah, and
1: and he uh, so he's like. So I rolled a four and I'm like, you do not detect any traps. And he's like, well, was there a trap? And I'm like, I don't know. You'll have to find out. He goes, you know, would there have been a trap if I hadn't rolled the detect magic? And I'm like, it's like Schrodinger's <laughs> trap, right? The trap both did and didn't exist. before. You- and <laughs> since you failed, now it exists. You know, yeah, those like are
2: a- totally weasel questions from the players. I look right at him and say, I'm not going to answer that. Well, right. He, he did. He's <laughs> like, I opened the door. I'm like, you're electrocuted.
1: So, like, yes. yeah, so it, well, you know, <laughs> but it was very funny because like I didn't really know if there was a trap. <laughs> and, and I don't and I don't even know if I actually made one because he did the detect or not. Like I couldn't you know. So that's kind of a, the fun part of the lazy DM. It's probably better to just roll. Like I'll just roll a D6 and on a 50-50 chance it's trapped. <laughs> and that way I'm my 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 bias to one electrocute this guy's PC uh, is removed <laughs> from the from the equation. Um I wanna bring up one other one other Thought And I guess I I, I I have a question. So let me bring up one quick thought that relates to what Jeff was talking about with uh, the newspaper. Oh. Um, another idea that I'm working with is the idea that the only planning... For sometimes, the only planning I want to do is actually in writing the handouts that I'm going to give to the players. And in particular, like I just finished playing Bioshock Infinite, which is a fantastic... You know, I, I, I'm generally not a fan of story-heavy video games... Because I'm usually, you know, I've always read better stories than they're going to give me in a video game. But this one was a fantastic story and I really loved it. And one of the things they do to tell the stories throughout the whole game, and it's a first-person shooter, you keep picking up these like ancient record player kind of things. And the record will play while you're walking. And it's like journals and diaries and letters from characters. And it's what's telling you the story as you go through. Mm. Um, So I'm throwing a lot of these into the game where like every time they kill somebody, there'll be a note and the note, you know, always says like, okay, well, the note's purpose is to tie multiple NPCs or villains together and to show the PCs what they've done and what impact it's had. You know, so sometimes it's a journal entry. Sometimes it's a letter between one group to another. You know, sometimes it's, you know, whatever and but every time it can it can be used to not just to steer the players towards what goals they have but also to help me kind of organize what the interrelationships are between these different NPCs in a handout that I can then hand off right so it's kind of a neat way of optimizing time around um you know building a hand- handout that you're going to give to PCs plus you use it as a or one can use it as a uh, uh, uh a planning aid mhm uh
0: yeah, I just made a note on my on my notes here. I need to do more of that.
1: Yeah, and it's it's fun to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I I stole one from Penny Arcade uh, where I had a guard who wrote about how sinister and crooked his bosses were, and how he finally thinks he's going to work up the courage in order to confront them and tell them that this is wrong. And you know he's you know he's finally had enough, and he you know enough is enough, and that's when the PCs come in and kill him. <laughs> you know, so then they get this. stuff like, "Oh man, this guy turned out to be a good guy." <laughs> like, oh, he's, you know, he was a, he was a, you know, he was a mercenary and he was a bad dude, but it turned out he wasn't. Um, so it's, you can do fun stuff like that. Cool. So my m- one of my questions, if I can throw one quick question out, um, because it's a lazy DM game. I don't really have clear endings in mind. And like last night I had a couple players who were all like, "Oh, are we done? Like that we killed the boss and we kind of got the one thing." And I was like, "Well, you know, I've got three other plots for you now, you know." So I kind of don't because it's these open-ended games, it, it can make the endings kind of anticlimactic. Sure. Yeah. So what what's a good way of kind of making Well,
0: but you said you're you've always got three plots, right? And so as soon as they wrap up one, there's two others. Right. So you know you can you can have your climax for the one plot and then it's not like okay now let's start over and do something new because they have two other things they just haven't done the the trick I think is uh, with that style the trick is just making sure they don't forget or they don't de-emphasize the importance of the other two plots you know sure you're going after this one but don't forget that the other stuff is going on and it's still important
1: do you, yeah, and I, I don't know that I'm too like, I, I tend to end my mini campaigns With, with cliffhangers anyway I like to kind of leave people hanging mm-hmm. So then if we decide we want to go back to Dark Sun Or go back to the Shadowfell or whatever we can And, and there'll be a whole story waiting for them uh, And also because I think It kind of spurns their imagination to think about it
2: Mind uh, they level up?
1: Uh, they're level 4 now And I'm probably going to make them go through Another ed- little adventure or two Before I give them 5 And I'm doing, I'm doing experience just by telling them when they level
2: Okay, because sometimes that helps with the uh, to keep it from being anticlimactic. Yeah, level give them a up. Level. Yeah. yeah, give them a level because you know it's not that big of a deal, and it's it is a boss that they just killed, and it's uh, you know a fairly significant end. If the question, if the characters are questioning, hey, are we done? Then right. everyone, at least at the table, thinks that it's a big deal, right? Uh, right. Whether That's in your big grand scope it really is or not. And the other thing is, man, throw a party. Yeah. we killed the boss time for a party go yeah. back <laughs> right. pour yeah. the wine get out the ducks roast some ducks whatever <laughs> sure.
1: yeah and i think then they're going to have that now because they just yeah. they just got back the priest right. they were trying to find and they just stopped the big drug operation that was going on i think that's well, all
2: see, there you
0: go and, and i don't it may be too late for this this plot uh, specifically but that's also a great opportunity to introduce your next plot right? absolutely or, right. or, or exactly. even or even bring them back to the other two that you've already got going you know how was this group? How was this villain affected by these other plots going on? Because those plots have those have moved forward without the PCs, right? right. Uh, so stuff is happening, and you know maybe the the new thieves guild in town has now messed with you know is encroaching on this this cult's business or whatever, right? Or that right. They just defeated. Right. So you know um, you know bringing back your note concept, but but tie it into other things going on, or mm. introduce your ne- your next plot, and and maybe this plot, you know, yeah, you've hit the climax of this. But there's something bigger, you know. They were actually just one cog in a larger machine, right?
1: So, right, you know. right, yeah, yeah. I think the hard part for me is like some we, because we run mini campaigns. There's a point where I'm like, okay, we're done with Magnamar for a while, and we're going to go do Thirteenth Age or whatever, mm-hmm. and and they're going to be like, but we never actually saw that other person, or there was this whole other thing we didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> see,
0: I, I think I think if I'm going to. To bring a whole campaign, even a mini campaign, to a conclusion, yeah, a good stopping place. That I have to be a little bit less lazy DM about, right? I have yeah. to actually plan that out and figure out, okay, what is the end? What is the climax? In order yeah. to really make make that punch.
1: Yeah, I've I've had some success with um, negotiating, not really negotiating, but kind of discussing it with the players and saying, like, okay, you guys have decided that you're going to go do X. We're going to make that, you know, that that. How does that feel as a conclusion for our mini campaign now? And they go, yeah, be, sounds like it'd be cool. Yeah, that's good. And then, and then they can do that. And I'll, I'll still throw like, oh, you know, and you know, somewhere off on his mountain, the Lich King laughs, you know, and yeah. like, oh shit, I forgot about the Lich King. Yeah, you know, so. now I gotta warn people. Sorry, you just, you just swore, dang it. No, that was in uh, my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for taking more time.
0: All right, well, with that said, your
1: time is done. I know. I'm sorry
0: like an randall, hour ago well i don't think randall cares because
2: as he was saying before the
0: recording he doesn't have much to say so
2: randall your time starts now well they're right i don't have much to say because i didn't get the game in may we will be gaming a week from sunday in june so for july's behind the dm screen i should have plenty to report as they will be visiting for the first time with a new group the village of omelet
1: so you're doing it too yep wow Man, yeah. now i got to get on this. We should have all done it at the same time. I've even got it. I've got the first edition Temple of Elemental Evil sitting right here. See, I'm not
2: doing Elemental Temple of Elemental Evil, I know, though.
1: Right. But it's got Village of Hamlet in there.
2: Right, but see, After... If you, they survive Village of Homlet, they're actually going to go through the U-series. Uh, which one's the U-series? Slave Lords? That's no. the... Uh, no, that's... um a U series is uh, Secret Assault Marsh, and then um, uh, the one with the lizard Lizardmen, and then the... Against the... So, combat? Gods? no, no, no. These were all, these are a UK series ah, of, okay. of modules, all gotcha. set in Saltmarsh or in gotcha. that area. So,
1: there's a, yeah, unless
2: they go off and do something different, which is so fine. Is,
1: in sure. Village of Homelet, if, if you're looking at Village of Homelet on its own, then is the dungeon pretty much that entire ruins of Moat House? Ruined the Moat the House
2: and the dungeon underneath it, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Cool. The, um,
0: didn't they do a 4th edition version of the the Village of Hamlet?
2: Yes, but it was a game store exclusive. There was a game store, store exclusive, that? yeah, because it All was right. Encounters, yeah.
1: Yeah, but sometimes they've been releasing the... Uh...
2: They Ooh. may have released Ooh. that. And I was going to say,
0: you could get it at Noble Knight, but holy bucket, it's 100 bucks.
1: Yeah, it's because yeah. <laughs> there's so many of them. Yeah, Wow. Um but sometimes they add it into the D&D insider stuff. They've been doing that with other ones. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually release the digital version of it anyway. They the did Village that with some other the... ones.
2: Cool. Yeah, Village of Homlet's a classic and Uh
1: was it, what was the story didn't you tell a story about how Village of Homlet was never the, the
2: Temple of Elemental Evil were not actually connected when they wrote them? Yeah, they. He went back later to fill in the gaps. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think he had originally int- intended to write it, but then never got around to it, and they handed it off to another another writer. Okay. And, or or Gygax handed it off. And what to was the, the what was the reason you hated it so much? I didn't. Oh, Temple of Elemental Evil because it's a yeah. drudge. Yeah, just because it's like a million. It's like a million rooms, and yeah. It's the same reason I'll probably never play or never run Undermountain or anything like that. So.
1: That's, yeah, I mean, that's that's I, a
2: hard I find, thing. I find, with, that, uh, I
0: find that whole thing, that whole concept, uh, a bit entertaining since I'm running Return to the Temple
1: of Elemental Evil. Yeah, and they're in the well, middle I, of a 300
0: room dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, you know. I just I was can't ask do about that. that, Jeff. I
1: mean, uh, 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 are you just kind of running it room by room? Are you kind of well, blending rooms uh, together? Actually, actually,
0: actually, I think that's where Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil actually stands up as an exemplar. Uh, you know, Under Mountain feels like a drudge, uh, mm-hmm. and you have to sort of insert your own story. But Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil. Um, it's a huge dungeon, but there is a thriving story and an ecosystem and, right. and a, a society, you know, uh, built in there, and you can get into all of that. Right. Um, so it, it, there's actually lots of interesting things going on besides just going room to room, and every room is detailed, so you don't and, have to make anything yeah. up. Uh, the story is already there. The the interactions are already uh, you know given to you. So I, I, I'm not having any issues with it at all.
1: Uh, and Monty Cook wrote it, right? Yeah. That's cool. I don't know if I've ever taken a really good look at it. I think I owned it at one point, but I don't know if I ever used it. But that is, that is an interesting thing about the mega dungeon. And I think that, you know, maybe, we'll, I don't know, but if the temple, I don't know if Temple of Elemental Evil, the first one, is re- worth the ability, you know, the good way to rescue it. But it, kind of having a deeper story for each of yeah. the sections so that it's still a mega dungeon, but it doesn't feel like.
2: Room two, room three. Yeah. yeah. See, to me, the only way, for me, to me, the only way I could run a mega dungeon is if, like Jeff said, there's some kind of, um, it's large enough to where it's almost run like an outdoor adventure, except that it's underground. It's an underdark adventure, but there are dungeons within the underdark, mm-hmm. and so, and at times, you'll find pockets of civilization where you can resupply and, and rest and do all these other things, but you're still yet it's still understood that you're in a large kind of dungeon complex. And then you've got to have a reason for that dungeon complex to be there, at least for me. Sure, you can, you can not... You can hand wave that, but in my campaigns, I've got to have some kind of reason. Either it's a buried city or, you know, something that was brought over from another plane or, you know, something, some kind of strange reason that this whole complex exists underground. So mm. Yeah, right. Uh, Jeff is... Uh... Return to Temple of Evil worth picking
1: up in PDF for twelve bucks?
0: Uh, I'd say for twelve bucks, it's probably worth it.
2: Yeah, is it? Yeah, do you think I, even it, I would say that. Yeah, just for. Yeah.
1: Is it uh, the kind of thing that you can kind of tear apart and use parts of for different things? Let me
0: think on that because that's not typically how I use published adventures, right? You, I mean, usually, that's
1: that's how I use it. I
0: know. Usually, that's if I'm good. using a published adventure, it's because I want to use the published adventure. You know, right.
1: Um, Think, I'm always kind th- of interested in Monty Cook stuff. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think there are elements of it you can you can pull out. Um, I think it, because it's so big, um, it is sometimes difficult to sort of drill through the whole thing and and find the gems because I mean, there's also you know large rooms of not much interesting going on. Oh yeah, over here there's some statues and oh look, it's a bas you know. You know, uh, so but right. the, but then other times like the the encounter with the the dragon on the top of the platform was really well designed and interesting. You know, mm-hmm. so th- I mean there are there are things in there that are very easily um, easy to pull for for inspiration. I would say, but for twelve bucks, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great uh, module and yeah. for twelve bucks, easily worth it.
2: I mm-hmm. have the first I have the first edition version and. It's the one that's the the. It's got the little pocket booklet of the map and everything mm-hmm. else, and um, like I said, it's not it's not horrible. It's just more than I wanted to slog through. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And if people do decide to get it, we have a link to the dndclassics.com website. Oh, I should
1: I should use that before and I then, buy it,
0: and then they can get it through there and then help us out. I'll use that right now. Awesome.
2: All right, is that all you got, Randall? that's all i got more stay tuned for next month i have more to report then awesome
0: well then uh i guess we call this episode done yeah
2: can i ask one other question sure how do you guys
1: feel about the new published um D &D next thing that's coming out at gen con are you are both of you coming to gen con yep yeah awesome are we doing a thing nope why not
0: i just didn't schedule anything
1: Man, Tra- Tracy's not
0: going this year so there's no I didn't do any Tom show stuff with that and I wasn't sure what Watsy's schedule was going to be on stuff it turns out it's really light and we could have easily fit something in but
1: you know we could just sit at a table with a microphone between
0: yeah, us yeah we absolutely
1: could <laughs>
0: in fact I think we should do it in the middle of the the DNA next room yeah just let people come up and, and chat with us
1: that'd be awesome we could tweet about it like an hour beforehand and then people could come by um so my question, what do you guys think about that published version of the D&D Next playtest and the four adventures and stuff?
0: My, my take listen. on it was oh, that um, – because we talked about this in the news desk too. Yeah, um, listen to the podcast. That's yeah, uh, I, right. I feel like what th- they're not selling the D&D Next rules. They're selling an adventure with, ju- with, with, with well, right? All right. A series of adventures with just enough rules to play it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's—I I feel like that's how they're selling it. They're selling it as here, buy this adventure, and here's the rules you need to, to do, run it, right? And, and no promise that it's finished or whatever, right? But they're—they're they're not selling it as a product that says, you know, come buy the the latest D and D next rule set. It, they're saying, hey, come buy this adventure, and that'll be a lot of fun. You know.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: How do I'm you feel hoping
2: about I'm hoping it's the last nod to the Forgotten Realms in a while.
0: I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs>
2: you think yeah, you want it to be the last nod? Yes. Yeah, you're hosed.
0: Yeah. I think, Probably. I think
1: 4th edition, I think, I think, sorry, I think Forgotten Realms is going to be kind of their default setting, isn't it?
0: I think, I mean, everything they've talked about, everything they've done, everything they've launched is all the Forgotten Fe- Realms folks, yeah.
2: focused. And I'm hoping they're getting it all out of the way to... announce wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What? I can't, I, I'm not a fan of the realms. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Know. And, but that doesn't it's mean... And... What about it, drizzled? It's oh okay. God. It, you don't, don't have, you get me started, Mike.
0: <laughs> you don't have to be a I, fan of the realms for an adventure to be to be useful, though.
2: No, no. And I'm, I'm actually I'm, that's tongue in cheek, guys. I, it's okay. I mean, and I'd probably pick it up myself because I want the I want the rules set. And um, my only concern that I espoused on the podcast was the fact that um, it, it might be confusing marketing to some um, yeah. to have this come out as a book. You know, release as a PDF or something like that, there's less of a sense that um, this is a real thing and that they're still developing the rules. But, you know, there are going to be people out there that, well, they released this thing I had to buy, pay $30 bucks, at you know, Gen Con, and now they're going to release the game again? You know, you're going to get someone that says that. Maybe not a lot I of guess. people. I you you kind of have to go
1: so far out of your way to even get the thing, though.
2: Well, and that's true, too. And that's the other half of the um, the people that are going to be pissed off, yeah. is the people that know about it. But because they can't get to Gen Con or don't have someone at Gen Con that they can get that can pick it up for them, um, who's otherwise not getting a copy, right? Then you know they're kind of hosed, and so that's kind of a you know, you're gonna are you gonna disenfranchise some people? Well, they're
1: not hosed. I mean, the playtest they get the playtest for free in in digital format.
2: I'm true, but you know, geeks like their things. I know, well, but yeah, yeah, it's funny because I I heard you saying. There's yeah.
0: s- there's several decades worth of exclusive Gen Con stuff that I I never had and I never uh, and I never will have. Oh, and I'm okay I
2: agree with, with you 100%. Yes. I know that's it's not it's not a tradition. I understand that. I understand that there's a whole it's there's there's precedent. I get that. Yeah. So I just I'm just saying that that's going to be the thought inevitably. Oh yeah. That will be the thought. I'm not saying I think that way. I mean this is going to happen. So you know, it's just one of those things. But. Yeah, I've,
1: en- I've enjoyed the uh, how dare they sell me something that's a beta product and make it so hard for me to buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, an it's the internet. It's the
0: internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, and
0: and Paizo did the same thing with uh, the beta of uh, the Pathfinder system, right? Yeah, I was gonna, yeah like, Jeff yeah, did. Did they sell a beta
1: of Pathfinder? Yeah, they did. It was a yeah. huge
0: tome, it was gigantic. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep, yep. Alright, well let's call it in here then. This has been uh, Behind the DM Screen for this month, whatever it is. June. Yep, June. Um, And that's all I got. Everybody say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye -bye. Bye Bye.